This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. Hi, y'all, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we're going to be talking about preparing delightful and nourishing feasts. Now, picture a big family get-together, you know, like a Sunday dinner with family or a Thanksgiving feast. It's a long table, or in our home, a long kitchen counter, with all the foods lavishly spread out for everyone to enjoy. Now, this is how Charlotte Mason, a British educator, described the abundance of ideas that we should make available to our children in our home education. In Volume 6 of Charlotte Mason's Home Education series, she describes home education and learning as, We spread an abundant and delicate feast in the programs, and each small guest assimilates what he can. So, according to Charlotte Mason, One of the most important hats that a homeschooling mom wears is a chef's hat. Home education is not about spoon-feeding our children a diet of bite-sized, bland textbook facts and figures. School at home is a lot like the school cafeteria lunches. Now, home education, that is a delicious feast. It's about preparing a feast for our children's hearts and minds. Now, whether you consider yourself a Charlotte Mason kind of a girl or not, Miss Mason had several guidelines that I think all of us can use when we plan our feasts and we don our chef's hat. Okay, so first, she says that the child requires much knowledge, for the mind needs sufficient food as much as does the body. Now, the key word here is much. Just like a body can't survive just on bread and water, A healthy diet of ideas is needed to inspire, to ignite passions, and to spark curiosities. The best way to whet a child's appetite is to spread a feast before him or her a variety of things. Now, second, Charlotte Mason also recommends that knowledge should be various, for sameness in a mental diet does not create an appetite. So just like eating broccoli and chicken every day can breed boredom and apathy towards food and eating, only focusing on two or three subjects every year will not create much of a mental appetite either. The best way to keep a child wanting more and exploring new things and plucking away at new ideas is to present them with a variety of ideas and subjects to explore and to think about. There's no keto diet in home education. We shouldn't deprive our kiddos of one or several food groups like art, poetry, even Shakespeare, music. 
all food groups or areas of study are on the table in home education. Nothing is off limits when we're preparing a feast. And third, Ms. Mason also explains that knowledge should be communicated in well-chosen language because a child's attention responds naturally to what is conveyed in literary form. Now, this is where what Charlotte Mason calls living books comes into play. When spreading a feast of ideas before your child, the best way to present these ideas are through living books. The textbook approach is the starvation diet, (laughs) consisting of bread and water only. Now, living books, they're like the big Italian Sunday meal or the Mother's Day brunch or that Thanksgiving feast. It's a menu full of color and living characters and a variety of ideas and subjects. So, how should we set the table of our home education feast? What types of food should we be preparing and presenting if we approach home education as a feast instead of doing school at home? Now again, you don't have to be a Charlotte Mason purist to wear a homeschooling mom chef's hat. Here are some of the beautiful things you can include in your delightfully nourishing feast. Bible, poetry, literature, American history, geography, singing, composer studies, and picture studies. How about recitation and handiwork? Of course, reading, math, writing, and some copy work. There's nature studies to include, dancing, music, foreign language, brush drawing, watercolor, dictation, composition, grammar, citizenship, character and habit forming, and these are just a few. I will admit This metaphor of a feast can seem a bit daunting. We all know how much time and prep work it takes to prepare a Thanksgiving feast. But what is so wonderful about this metaphor or this approach to learning is that our job as moms is to lay out ideas for our children to think about and then give them things to look at, enjoy, and explore. And then we let the child feast on what feeds his soul his mind, his heart, and his body. Now, don't get me wrong. Just like in any good, healthy diet and meal planning, we always need to include the staples. The things that every meal should have, you know, your four basic food groups. In home education, our quote-unquote staples, or your four basic food groups, are, of course, Bible, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Each day or each week, these staples are an integral part of the feast, but they aren't the only part of the menu. Now, last summer, I shared a two-part series in Coffee with Carrie Homeschool podcast entitled The Art of Strewing. I highly recommend you listen to those two episodes. They're episodes number 69 and number 70. I give simple and practical ways to spread a feast before your children without doing formal lessons. And next month in June, I'll be hosting another live online workshop called The Art of Strewing, where I explain the concept of strewing, what it is, and how to practically and inexpensively use it in your home. Now, if you missed the free workshop in June, check out my website, coffeewithcarry.org. After my free online workshops, I make them available for purchase in digital form at my website. So go to coffeewithcarry.org to either register for the free online Art of Strewing workshop or to purchase the digital video. Now, 
Some homeschooling circles consider this feast of ideas or the art of strewing as unschooling. But a more accurate description of this feast is that it's child-centered and child-led learning. Remember, you provide the staples needed for a healthy diet, but how boring is life without dessert? Without the unexpected homemade cookies? Without that ice cream treat? Without the fresh strawberries that you find on a hike? Or without the canned jam that you made from last year's peach crop? These are the things we add to our dinner plates for color, for variety, for nutrition, for exploration, and for fun. Now, before my daughter became a vegan, she was a very adventurous eater. There was nothing that scared her. She would try anything. And, I mean, how would she have figured out that she loved eggplant if I never put it before her to try? And what kind of Italian mother would I be without a little eggplant parmigiana on a special occasions, right? And my son, he loves squid and octopus. Hey, I mentioned we're Italian, right? Again, how would those food items be one of his favorites if my husband and I never encouraged him to at least try them? And oddly, my kids love asparagus and beets, but that might be because they were staples in our home. They grew up on asparagus and beets, so they have acquired a taste for asparagus and beets. Man, I'm getting hungry. You getting hungry? I'm getting hungry. All this talk of food is making me hungry. I think I'm going to make some eggplant parmigiana tonight. Okay, so if we look at our homeschooling as an educational feast and not as doing school at home, then our kids will try new things. They'll discover what they like and what they don't like. They will whet their appetites for the uncommon, and they will acquire a taste for the good things. Presenting a delightfully nourishing feast of ideas before our children is also one practical way to apply Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, give your children beautiful things to look at, lovely things to listen to, beautiful things to make, noble things to read, and pure ideas to think of. Not only will they develop a taste for praiseworthy and excellent ideas, but they'll recognize truth and lies when confronted with them. Okay, so how do we start? How do we move from school cafeteria lunches to a banquet of feasts? Well, the most important part of a delightfully nourishing feast, of course, is the Bible. Make sure you feast on and feed on God's word every day. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Guys, taste and see how good the Lord is. Relish in his word and in his truth. Make it a staple in your feast. Okay, second, if your child's diet consists mostly of textbooks and worksheets, try to go text-free in one subject. You don't have to do all of them. I mean, you can ditch all the textbooks if you want to, and I highly encourage it if you can. But if that thought scares you, then just take some baby steps. Instead of using a history textbook, replace it with historical fictions, biographies, Nonfiction picture books, memoirs, 
primary documents, speeches, and living books. Learn about history through the eyes of those who lived through it. Watch great movies and classics and documentaries on historical events and historical people instead of relying on dry, outdated, and liberal-aligned facts and data in textbooks. Or go textbook-free in science. Use unit studies as a way to learn about topics of interest. Or subscribe to a monthly science and STEM box instead of buying a box science curriculum. Use God's creation as your science curriculum. Explore with friends and create nature journals instead of using boring, evolution-driven, one-world globalist ideology science textbooks. Okay, next, add some music to your day. Listen to worship and classical music. Create music. Learn about the hymns and different folk songs. Learn about different composers while listening to their works. It really is that simple, incorporating beautiful and lovely things into your feast. Then maybe add some art. You can be nonchalant about it, or you can make it a formal lesson. Just place beautiful artwork around the house. Strategically place books about artists that include their works of art in places that you know your child will see them. Or go ahead and do a formal art or print study. Give your child a masterpiece to look at. Give her about five minutes to notice the details in the picture. Then turn the masterpiece face down and simply ask your child to describe the picture to you and what she liked about it. That's it. You can actually stop there. But if you want to go more in depth, you can share a bit of information about the piece, who painted it, when it was created, perhaps the backstory behind the masterpiece or the artist. And then you can stop there if you want. But if the masterpiece really moved your child, then have your child recreate his own version of the masterpiece. Now, the easiest way to appreciate art is to visit art. (laughs) Go to art museums and just explore. And don't forget about handiwork and handicrafts. Now, I'm not a crafty person, so I don't know how to knit or crochet. But I did learn woodworking, watercoloring, and quilling alongside my kids. My son learned how to whittle and cook, and my daughter learned how to finger knit and make jewelry. The idea is that art can be beautiful as well as functional too. When reading aloud, there's no need to ask a million comprehension questions at the end of each chapter. Simply ask your child to narrate to you what the chapter was about. Then engage in conversations about the character's choices or the author's use of language. Sprinkle some poetry into your week or month, and you don't have to analyze every poem stanza by stanza. You can just read them and enjoy them, or maybe even write your own and share them. Finally, when you're presenting a feast to your kids, focus on heart issues, character building, and creating healthy habits. Spend time teaching your youngsters how to mop and sweep correctly. Yeah, that's school. Or how to cut firewood. Yeah. That's education too. Or how to be patient and persistent and diligent and teach them good work ethics and patriotism. These are all wonderful garnishes and dressings for your delightful and nourishing feast of home education. So what are you preparing? What kind of feast are you presenting to your family? Is it delightful? Is it nourishing? Will it whet their appetites for pure, noble, and beautiful things? Y'all, home education is not school at home. 
Home education is an abundance of ideas that we make available to our children for them to feast on. Don't be the school lunch lady. Ban the school cafeteria food from your homeschool feast. Instead, don the chef's hat and prepare and present delightfully nourishing feasts instead. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find me at my new and improved website, coffeewithcarry.org. I also share daily devotions and homeschooling tips at my Instagram account, coffeewithcarryconsultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your schooling, this is a perfect book to read. If you heard something you liked, then share a podcast with a friend who might be in a cooking rut or with a friend who needs some fresh homeschooling ideas. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and my book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.